0: hello everybody welcome to today's session of marketing ops confessions we have a fabulous guest with us today who i will be introducing properly in just a minute but as always we like to take care of a little housekeeping first Uh, feel free to use the chat as much as you'd like don't be shy share your own hot takes on today's topics ask a question connect with others Um, it's a great place to share your linkedin and and your opinions because this is what we're here for Uh, We'll also have a short Q&A at the end. So definitely submit any questions that you have for Asia via the questions tab that we can get to uh, when we wrap up the conversation. And we'll also be asking a few poll questions. I believe one is live already. So keep your eye on that tab as well. And we are recording today's sessions. You can find all past sessions on the Marketing Ops Confessions registration page. And we also uh, email those out as well. Uh, our drone giveaway is still running through the end of this month. So we're really excited to be able to put your name in the hat uh, for that drawing since you will, uh, oops, sorry, we lost our speaker for a second. Uh, you uh, will have an, a chance to to earn an entry today as an attendee. And just a reminder that you can also receive a new entry anytime you attend a live session. So uh, that's why you're here today. And for May, uh, we're actually going to be announcing a new giveaway, so stay tuned on that. And I'm just trying to get make sure that our speaker can get back on stage. I'm so sorry about the delay. Oh, there she is. Okay, perfect. My,
1: my internet cut out for a no second. No worries.
0: You you didn't miss too much. I was just about to introduce <laughs> you. <laughs> perfect timing. So, uh, Yes, perfect timing, and I'm super excited today to be joined by Asia Corbett. Asia is the Director of Revenue Operations at Postal.io, and she comes from an operations background. She's very passionate about solving complex rev ops and marketing ops challenges, and um, we have a lot we want to talk about today, and I'm excited to have Asia um kind of represent the RevOps community and, and talk to us a little bit more about the connection between RevOps and Marketing Ops as well. So welcome Asia. Hi, thank you. Super happy to be here. We are happy to have you. So let's dive in because I know we have a lot we want to talk about today. Um, my first question is there is a lot of confusion I think these days around like what is revenue operations and is it marketing operations or vice versa and and how do they work together um can you school us a little bit on this and you know maybe touch on like what revenue operations is not um and how we work with marketing operations and to add a third question in there too, like knowing that you tackle both of these at Postal IO,
1: like how do you do that? Yeah, totally. So RevOps is like this new buzzword <laughs> in the, the SaaS world lately. And to me, revenue operations is really like this holistic. Um, operational organization that supports your go-to-market teams, your revenue-generating teams. So, of course, marketing operations is a part of that. Sales operations is a part of that. Customer success and support are also a part of that. If you have a partner channel, it's part of that. It's all of those teams, and revenue operations is responsible for supporting the the foundation for them, so that they can go do what they do best, which is bring in more revenue. Um, Mm -hmm. I juggle... All three of those things at Postal, sometimes I focus more on one operational area um, versus another, sales or marketing, for example, depending on what we need to do at the time because I'm one person. So it it's definitely challenging deciding where you need to focus your time most depending on what the needs mm-hmm. of the business are. Um, when I first started, I... I was actually supposed to do sales operations solely, but we had a gap in the marketing operations um, and marketing side of the organization. And so I quickly just jumped in there to help support that. And having a technical like Salesforce background and a process driven background, I think helped um, me balance all of the things. Yeah, you so, have a
0: lot on your plate.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure that's not unique to just my RevOps experience or marketing ops or sales ops even. There's, there's always a lot for us to do, and it's, it takes a lot of pushing back, and you'll learn that as you <laughs> go throughout your mm-hmm. operations career is like, okay, how do I respectfully push stuff out? How do you balance being strategic and tactical? Like that's not that's not new. Um, so so yeah, it's it's having a process to intake all the requests, to um, communicate out with everybody, and try to help them understand that you can't do everything at once and everything that they they need. Help them understand why. Yeah yeah and
0: so can you talk a little bit more about like how you see RevOps and like where marketing ops fits in that? And I know you have a couple really good analogies that maybe you can share too.
1: Yeah, I was saying the other day that revenue operations is kind of like a pie, and marketing operations is just one piece of that pie the whole the whole pie supports the the entire go to market engine, and marketing operations is just one of those pieces. It's like I love part that. of the part of the foundation of your house. But your to clarify,
0: house. rev marketing ops is not rev ops because I see a lot of people saying like, "Oh, it's just You know, they're the same.
1: Yeah, no, I I wouldn't say that they're the same. I would say that marketing operations is a piece of it. It, it revenue operations, uh, marketing operations is part of revenue operations, but is it is not equal to revenue revenue operations. That makes sense revenue mm-hmm. operations is the is the whole funnel the whole funnel from top to bottom marketing at the top sales customer success support yeah perfect um so one thing about revenue
0: ops and you we hear a lot about and you kind of alluded to this like we hear a lot about like what's trending or like what's the sexy part of rev ops and mark and marketing ops too yes. um and It's interesting to see like on LinkedIn and different Slack groups, all of those things popping up, but those pieces are not always the most important pieces. And so I would ask you, like, what are the parts that are way more important that you wish people were talking about more often?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I have noticed that um, in the RevOps community, sales ops and marketing ops, um, there's like there's this emphasis on okay your analytics and all of your data and pulling it together and putting all these insights and that is important um, but you can't get there if you don't have a stable foundation meaning your business processes and then your systems if there's no system integrity and you don't have defined business processes you're not going to be able to report anything and I've I've um, I've had to work through that too, not just at postal, but in other organizations as well. So, to me, the most important piece of revenue operations, sales operations, or marketing operations is the process. Like that's the very first layer. Once you have your process, then you can put your systems on top of that. So, you, okay, where, which systems do I have that will that? I can drop into our business process that um, that will support what I've, what we've outlined, and what we've agreed upon. And then your data comes in and then you can start to pull reports and dashboards and actually derive some meaningful insights. It's very hard to do that while you're building your foundation.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So speaking of building a foundation,
0: (laughs) we see too often that people don't think about these functions until something breaks. And they don't do a good job of, of building that foundation. I, and I think we were talking about, like we just saw um, on LinkedIn, like Dave Gearhart was posting about um, as a CMO, like he wishes that he had uh, prioritized a marketing ops hire uh, in, in a past role. And I think we're starting to see that become more trending, like where CMOs are like, wow, we really need to bring in these functions sooner. Um, but like, why do you think it, it feels like such an afterthought? Like, do you, you start with rev ops? Do you start with marketing ops? But I mean, I think yes,
1: but why are people not doing that? You know, I, I feel that it could be, when you think about operate when I think about operations and what that means to me, I'm a huge part of, of what that is, is process. And I think when people hear process, they think, oh, I have to slow down. And right now we need to just go fast. We need to just build all these things and do all of these things and go to market. And then as you start to scale, you feel the pain of that. And so why mm-hmm. wait? Why not bring someone in at the, in the beginning? And it doesn't mean you have to sacrifice your speed or your agility to, to have process. Um, but I think that's where people might be getting stuck is, okay, well, we need to move fast. We'll hire that person later. We'll hire someone to come in and fix everything and clean it up. And then that person is like, well, do you want me to spend six months cleaning up, a year cleaning up? Or do you want me to actually be able to to build things for you and to do reporting and be strategic?
0: hmm
1: hmm yeah, yeah. And you had said like- to me... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. You said to me before
0: that people want to be bring in a cleanup crew versus a construction team, which I yes, love that analogy yes, too.
1: Yes, yes. It's like, okay, come on, bring in the bulldozers and uh, like the cranes because sometimes you have to totally deconstruct what has been like hacked together to get to get mm-hmm. to repair. Um, And that process is a lot of work. It it takes a lot to to clean up. Rather than to start from foundation and then iter- you can iterate, like you can build on top mm-hmm. of your process or you can change things. Um, but it's much easier to do that from the beginning than to go and like start to clean up wreckage.
0: Yeah, yeah, agree. And and being on the marketing side of things and having worked like in a previous life um, on the consultant side, I see a lot of marketing leaders that have gotten burned. By marketing ops, like whether they be consultants or that is usually the case, but it's like it's left a bad taste in their mouth sometimes. So I feel like when marketing owns that function or responsibility, like you kind of get a little nervous to bring somebody in Um, and using that as a segue. Like (laughs) you obviously straddle both rev ops and marketing ops and rev ops is that bigger umbrella. So you have this layer of insight that not a lot or not all in marketing ops have. Um, So when it comes to like organization structure, who do you feel marketing ops should report to?
1: I strongly feel that marketing operations should report into a revenue operations person. Um, And if you don't have that someone very operationally minded, Mm -hmm. just because uh, and this isn't unique to just marketing ops, it could happen in sales ops too. There's um, an element of, of bias, for lack of a better word. Um, and you could start to lose some of the alignment that you would have at the, at the revenue operations um, um, level, where you're really looking at holistically the whole entire pie of, of operations that support your go-to-market teams marketing is one piece of that and the marketing leader may have certain goals and um ideas and things in mind that might not necessarily translate into the downstream impacts Mm -hmm. um i have (laughs) i have an example and and i also want to say that i it's not ill intent or People don't do things with the intention of, of, of causing some systemic issues sometimes. It's always like, I wanna help out and wanna be helpful. I know that they're busy, so let me do it. I, I can do this XYZ thing. I I took some Trailhead modules and I, I can do this in Salesforce. And not having the full picture of how the systems are integrated, how all of the processes are connected to together, business process and like the systems processes, One tiny thing, it's like a domino effect, one tiny thing upstream can have a huge impact downstream. We had uh, a list, uh, a lead list uploaded into HubSpot, our HubSpot instance. And the way that we have our systems integrated right now, (coughs) excuse me, we have to upload first in Salesforce so that we can capture all all of our, our lead source information. There's a lot of things going on in the background to be able to have it all in one field And uploading it in HubSpot first overwrites all of that stuff. So the leads come in, they go into Salesforce and the sales team doesn't know what to do with them because they don't know where they came from. And because I didn't upload the list, I have to stop what I'm doing and go investigate. And that takes time out of the day to do other things. So it's like Mm -hmm. one small thing upstream can have this impact downstream. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I think people.
0: that also, yeah, absolutely. And I think that also um, kind of sheds a light on the importance of documentation and like documenting the process,
1: which I know you're also very passionate about. <laughs> Super passionate about it. It takes some time to do, like it's not something that you can do very quickly. I, I get it. But having that in place is, is so important, even though I've heard like people won't read this or people won't look at it. And it's true. They won't at first. You just have to keep pushing it, keep pushing it to them. Mm-hmm. You know, like once you start to do it so many times, and it becomes habit. It becomes like a habit, but doesn't it take like three weeks to, to develop a habit, to develop a new habit or something, or it yeah. takes like yeah. seven, seven times and seven different ways to hear information before it sticks. So it's, I, I think with with respect to documentation sometimes maybe people get discouraged and they're like I shouldn't I shouldn't invest my time in documenting this because no one's going to read it or no one's going to use it and I don't think that's a good way to <laughs> to operate. Documentation is Agreed.
0: Agreed you heard it here not for the first time but definitely <laughs> like, very important um, yeah. and and it enables people it enables other it teams does. right so that person that maybe uploaded that list that maybe shouldn't have uploaded the list, they can do it right next time.
1: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And it's as long as there are some guidelines or some standard operating procedures on on how to do that, I have no problem enabling people to like, to go fish for themselves. Uh, Mm -hmm. As long as there are some, I don't like to use the word controls, because it feels very restrictive, but you know, some, some things in place, some guardrails so that if you do have to offload work, especially as a team of one uh, or, you know, you need other help from other areas, you can lean on people if there are guidelines in place so that they can do that. And it, it, it helps prevent some of those kind of catastrophic. Some things are catastrophic. Some are not so catastrophic. Some things are just confusing. Yes. But it helps alleviate some of those things or avoid some of those things.
0: Yes, absolutely. And let's let's just remind everyone, too, though, like there's no real marketing emergencies like (laughs) there could be many worse things that happen. That's the great thing about like working where we do in in our industry is that at the end of the day, like, you know, we're not saving lives per se. (laughs)
1: Yes, some of us are not saving saving lives. I had a, I had a <laughs> colleague who would say, uh, your fire is not my emergency. He was on the engineering product side of things. And they're, they're pretty good with keeping a very uh, tight, strict roadmap. Um, mm-hmm. And so you go to engineering and ask for something. And they're like, well, I, <laughs> he was a nice guy. But that was his, his catchphrase. And I just think that's, that's kind of funny like your your fire is not my emergency or your by fi- your lack of planning is not my emergency something like that <laughs> ouch <laughs> i know I, was, I, was, I i usually try to soften that when i when i mm-hmm. communicate with people i'm not that that um blunt
0: yeah yeah communication can be i mean we could have a whole other conversation on that but like it's yeah. it's so important to understand like from a soft skills perspective, like how do you properly communicate your needs? And like, I'm sure like running both marketing ops and rev ops and sales ops, like I'm sure you've crossed that bridge many a times where you had to sit down and really think about like, how do I most effectively communicate this message?
1: Yeah. Or how is it coming across if I'm communicating this to somebody, especially in written communication a lot when you can't Mm -hmm. see like, Um, body language or have those cues, you don't know what they're thinking or how you may be coming across to them. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's definitely like working remotely um, forces you to think, forces me to think about those things and just be a little bit more mindful in my communication. I try to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay. Question kind of straying
0: in a different direction we hear a lot of buzz like moving into this like data first world and like the, the modern data stack and things like that. And also with the rise of marketing operations. But with this, do you feel then it's important for those either in RevOps or under that umbrella in marketing ops to know coding languages like SQL?
1: Uh, no, I, I really truly don't. I've, I'm firmly in the camp that the most important thing is the ability to um, problem solve. And you can do that without knowing a, a coding language and build a process and then communicate mm-hmm. out the change that process. It all comes down to the process because if you don't have that, it's not useful to go and query a report out of your database if there's, like, not a process for, a define, for how you define your metrics, for example. Like, what are we using in the, across the business as the definition of a qualified lead, for example, or mm-hmm. an SQL or an MQL? It, it, it doesn't do you any good to know how to code if you don't have those process, that sort of process-driven mindset. I'm a very firm believer in that.
0: I love it. This is this is why we call this marketing ops confessions because we're sharing hot takes.
1: <laughs> yes, I I know that is not the popular opinion. I haven't seen it so much on on um, LinkedIn, but that's that's I I feel strongly that that's where you'll find your successes in the process.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and again, like going back to communication and building out a team, because when you can build out a team, like you have somebody that knows SQL and you have, you you work with BI, you work with different teams and effectively and figure out how to do it together versus one person having to do all of it.
1: Yeah. Do I think that you need to have a a base level of analytical capability, like Google Sheets and Excel and how to build reports in Salesforce? Yes. Mm -hmm. But is it absolutely critical that you are a BI analyst? If you want to go into revenue operations and be successful, no. Mm -hmm. Well,
0: and I would say the same about
1: marketers. Marketing marketing operations too. Yes, exactly.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, even like being a demand gen marketer, any type of marketer, like you should be able to go uh, run basic reports in various tools, but, you know, very role specific when it kind of gets to the more technical level that's needed.
1: Yeah. Like our, our director of demand gen is she can run her own reports in Salesforce and build lists in HubSpot and, and use Excel and Google Sheets. So she doesn't have to lean on me as much for waiting to wait for me to do to pull a report for her, for example. And then if, if there's something that she can't figure out, then she'll, you know, send me a message and I'll take a look. But mm-hmm. she's able to self-serve because she does have a, a very, you know, like a baseline level of of, the, of Uh, reporting and analytics. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Okay. um, I want to talk about a topic that we haven't actually gone too deep in uh, during other sessions, and that is product led growth. So why do we feel like marketing ops is left totally scrambling when it comes to PLG and getting access to product data? And I know that like, being in a new category really, and like kind of in an, an emerging gifting space, like IO has a kind of a different position on that. So maybe you could talk a little bit about it.
1: Yeah. I, I feel like PLG is another one of those buzzwords, trendy things <laughs> in the um, B2B tech space. I think historically marketing Um, operations did not work so closely with product. And Mm -hmm. now that we're seeing the rise of these um, PLGs focused companies, there is a need to have that product information in a place where marketing operations and marketers can use it. And if it's sitting in your product, um, you may not be able to use it. And how can you send campaigns, for example, if your data and you want to do something around product-led, and if your data is in your app and it's not sitting in your marketing automation platform. And so mm-hmm. you new know, marketing operations needs access to that data to then go run marketing programs, help support the marketing programs. And that's a challenge because, it's okay, how do you get the data out of there? If you are small, you, you don't have a data warehouse, and you don't have any tools to extract the data, then you have to mm-hmm. say, okay, well, we need to push this data somewhere. And, it, you know, engineering has a roadmap, and they have things that they want to do, and pushing data into your CRM or marketing automation platform is not one of those things. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it, it is, it's, it's, it's a struggle, and it's a challenge to get that data into the hands of, the operational folks who need it has been my experience. Postal, we are kind of experimenting a little bit right now. And I, I would say when we started, when I started at Postal, we were a product. We were taking the product-led growth approach. Now we're experimenting because we're not seeing the kind of conversion that we want. And so we've kind of rolled that back we've gated our trial now, our trial process. So we're going to see how this works out for us, but I wouldn't define us as product led growth right now. Although we, we appeared to be at one time.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting to see, um, the shift and either see people moving into product led growth or in this case, like testing it out and then modifying and, and try to figure out like, what is the best process?
1: Yeah, but yes, definitely
0: a big challenge getting all of that data into one place. And, you know, I just wish there was a tool out there that
1: could do that. Yeah, <laughs> <yes. laughs> an affordable one, because if, if um, some people I'm sure have budgetary budget constraints and mm-hmm. that's something that we're dealing with now we don't have the budget for a data warehouse we don't or or the BI tool Mm -hmm. right now we have our the tech stack we have is a tech stack that we need to make work for the foreseeable time at least the next fiscal year and so it's like hey do we build out our reporting infrastructure and our app and like really bump that up in priority or can you push some of these metrics into a place where marketing operations can use it or, you know, marketing operations, any of the, the customer facing teams, the GTM teams can use it. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, like, like in this case, now that we're, we're sort of experimenting, um, we're, we're revisiting that hole where all of our product data is going. It's in different places, but it's nothing yeah. that is in a code. It's, <laughs> Nothing is in a cohesive interface where we can report on everything that we want to in one place, unfortunately. Yeah,
0: it is It is a, a very common challenge, especially around PLG and um, just in general, because we see a lot of companies, too, that, like, behave as PLG companies and they look like PLG companies but like they don't necessarily even consider themselves to be PLG and maybe because it's still kind of new and trendy um yeah but yeah that's interesting to me when you know I'm just browsing the space and seeing seeing how companies represent PLG and and if they align with that
1: yeah no it is it's very interesting
0: Um, Okay, so on to a different topic, which we specifically left a good amount of time to talk about because I know we're both very passionate about it. But before that, just a reminder that we will be answering questions. So feel free. This is a great time to uh, put a question in the questions tab and we can get to it in just a moment. Uh, So our last question, though, is something that you know, we can't leave today's conversation without touching on because like I said, we're both very passionate about this as women of color. And um, we both very much understand the disparities when it comes to diversity and inclusion within tech. But when you zoom in and continue to zoom in into like those specific functions like rev ops or marketing ops or, you know, demand gen. It gets worse and worse, and especially if you're a woman, especially if you're a Black woman. Um, so I just want to talk a little bit about like what's some advice that you want to give to uh, Black women and other women of color, and people, uh, men too, people of color um, who want to enter RevOps and marketing ops. And then what what could we be doing better? Like what could companies, what should organizations be doing better to help pave that pathway
1: yeah I yeah so I strongly believe in and this is hard too because I I think as people of color I I actually I don't want to speak for everyone I speak for myself I have this sort of imposter syndrome um that I fight every day of do I belong in this space or not and it's so important to to take up space in these in the revenue operations the marketing operations put yourself out there and really own it because mm-hmm. you do deserve to be there and you should be there and I I, um, I try to seek out uh, groups organizations that have um, the opportunity for me to to like be myself I suppose <laughs> um, mm-hmm. the the and I and I try to pull people in with me so the revenue, uh, the RevOps co-op is one of those those Slack communities. It, there's there's many, um, and so it's, as much as you can go into those and start just connecting with people and and um, learn, learning about revenue operations or marketing operations, sales operations, if that's where you want to go, and then just like command that space because that's where you should be. And in terms of doing better, I think we can be elevating elevating people of color. We can be mm-hmm. putting putting them out there too, the like companies, organizations. I, um, I was recently at the virtual Rev Growth Summit from Drift, and one of the keynote speakers was a black man. And I was just like, this is, this is so inspiring. It's so amazing to me to see another person of color up here on this virtual stage, inspiring, mm-hmm. and, and intellectual, so well-spoken, really great message and it was marketing focused. I mean, it wasn't really anything to do with me, but still I appreciated having the drift specifically bringing that up, uh, elevating people of color. That's really, really important. When I look at a lot of panels and I, I, and I attend a lot of, of webinars and I try to, to listen to a lot of um, virtual uh, events and mm-hmm. they can be pretty homogenous. In, in, and I think that we can do a better job of picking panelists, speakers um, who are more diverse.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And um, I think the side that, you know, if you're not a person of color, what you don't understand is how it really means so much when you see that, you know, like w- what yes. you're just explaining at Rev Growth, like being here with you today, like being able to sit down with somebody in my industry that is also a person of color and have this yes. conversation, like it's so meaningful and impactful. And it's a piece that has been missing from a lot of people's lives. If, if they've, you know, um, because things were a lot worse and things are not great still, but but yeah, it, it's a missing piece and it makes like inclus- inclusivity and representation is so incredibly important yeah, um, and absolutely. not just something that we need to do for the numbers. Like it actually is, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I know we're both, we could talk about this it's, all day. I'm so, <laughs> so passionate about it.
1: Yeah, I had, a, I had a boss two companies ago who was a black woman like me um in business operations in operations as a director and i looked up to her so much but more than that i saw myself in her shoes it was easier for me to envision myself in that place because my direct boss looked like me and it, it i don't i don't think that if you're not a person of color you under, you it's it's very very hard to understand how it feels to be the only person in the room only person in the room and that has been like my whole life so to be in a professional space where I my my direct leader looked like me and uh, people respected her and she was a hard worker and all the other great things but just to have like that role model so close to me I like I can't there aren't even words to describe how inspired I felt how seen I felt how capable I felt much more than I do, you know, like I know I can do my job, but I felt like it it's powerful to see that.
0: It is, it is. And I
1: know, um, you know,
0: both of us being mixed race too, like that comes with its own set of like imposter syndrome, identity. I mean like you're in this in between space. So even to see somebody else that is mixed, um, yeah. you kind of you- you hear about like the black nod, but like there's also like a mixed nod where you're like, "Hey, there you're is." Like- <laughs> yes.
1: I see you. I see you. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's one of the things I miss oh, about going to um, conferences uh, and events in mm-hmm. person, is because you can, you know, that that networking that is sometimes lost when you're doing a virtual event. It's, um, but it doesn't. I I mean, this this is still a good medium to yeah connect with other people of color because people watch it afterwards i i still go back and watch things after the workday's over or if i didn't have time to attend something so it's it's important to just just put it out there to keep having a conversation and as much as other people are tired of having a conversation so are we it's not mm-hmm. like we want to keep having this conversation but we have to because that's how change happens that's how we yeah. we get to a better place yeah yeah
0: Plus one,
1: um,
0: yeah. <laughs> okay, so we like to close with uh, a couple questions. So first, if if people want to connect with you, if they want to hear more about what you have to say, uh,
1: what's the best place to do that? Um, yeah, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, uh, Asia Corbett. I think you can probably just search for me, and I'm at postol.io. Uh, happy to chat about all things revenue operations, diversity, inclusion, anything else. I like the outdoors and sports <laughs> and dogs. I have two dogs. So I'm happy to chat and connect with people. I love it. And then
0: last question, who is one or if you want to name a few, um, a rev ops or marketing ops leader that is in the space that you really inspire or that you're inspired by rather. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I, um... Rosalyn from Clary AI yeah she's great I yes, I look up to her i we we aren't like formally we're connected on LinkedIn, but I, and I haven't had a t- chance to actually talk to her, but I really do look up to her a lot. She's very inspirational. Um, my previous boss I was saying she's not in revenue operations. she was in business operations. she's not at the that company anymore but so much of the things that I learned from her, I still use to this day. Um, and I kind of keep her, like, in mind when I'm doing things or when I'm going through processes or navigating situations in the workplace. Um, and so I think even though she's not in revenue operations or marketing operations, I still really, really admire her a lot. I'm sure she's the same. Like, I'm sure she's just as... Inspiring and driven and thoughtful and kind and sharp as she was when I worked with her. Her name is Julia Gachet. (laughs) Okay, write it down. Don't don't (laughs) find her on LinkedIn. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Asia,
0: thank you so much for being here with us today. It's been a pleasure to talk with you and hear your thoughts and all of that good stuff. Um, and just before we close the conversation, and also thank you to everybody in the audience, we're uh, excited that you have decided to spend your Thursday lunch with us. Um, and just a reminder, so next week we have Jasmine Carnell from Lee coming on, and we're very excited to chat with her. Um, and she's gonna be talking a little bit more about sales operations. And she's a sales operations senior analyst at Lesson Lee. So um, that will be a really interesting conversation that uh, actually our one of our co-founders, Sam Levin, is going to run. Um, You may have also noticed that when you registered, if you registered recently, that you can now sign up for multiple sessions on a registration page, so you don't have to wait anymore. You can get in and register to sessions like Lessonly, Slack, Upkeep, and just get them on your calendar now. Uh, You'll be redirected to the Reg page after we close out the conversation today, so you can go ahead and do that. All right. Thank you again, Asia, for sharing your time and your knowledge with us. And thank you for everybody joining us in the audience. And we hope you have a wonderful Thursday. Thanks for having
1: me.